Uh, can you state your name? Yes, this is Suazette. Yes. How have you been impacted by hate? Well, um, I'm definitely, um, I guess you would say a result of a biracial marriage. My father is white, and he's from the West Coast. He's definitely a cowboy with horses and things like that. Um, then my mother's black. You know, she's like the soul sister. She's all about her blackness. So somehow, someway, that our couple got together, and they had me. Well, growing up as a young girl, um, first of all, I was raised in the South. I started off in the South. I started off in Charleston. And... You know, we we grew up in the hood. But my mother would always protect me and say, you can only go out after a certain time. You can't go to certain people's house. I couldn't play with certain people because they always were hating on, quote, unquote, the light-skinned girl. I didn't know that I was different than everybody else. I thought I was black like everybody else. But apparently there was a difference in me. I didn't really start to see that until I moved when I was seven to go live with my father. I wasn't white enough for the whites, and I wasn't black enough for the few black people who were over there. Right. So, I mean, it's it's kind of wild. It's kind of crazy. I moved back when I was 14, and, oh, my God, I saw it in full stream. You're, you know, 14, freshman in high school, you know, light skin, long hair. I'm thinking I'm black like everybody else, but apparently I'm not the same black as them. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty much basically it in living, learning how to live and cope you know, how black is black and how yeah. white is white <laughs> and finding my identity in between. How difficult was it for you to establish your identity being basically a product of two worlds? Well, I'm going to put it like this. I am definitely a chameleon. There's certain ways that I talk when I'm around my father and there's certain ways that I talk when I'm around my mother. Of course, you know, we're going to put the, the country twang, the southern slang, all of that into the mix when I'm around my black friends and my black family because that's how we do. But, of course, when I go around my family, my white family, I don't talk like that because, for one, they're not going to understand anything that I say. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, of course, you know, you know, talking like, you know, what they say, a white girl. You know, you just do what you do. You stick in the middle. But when it comes down to it, I know that I see myself as being a black person. I don't see myself as being, you know, a biracial or this or that. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people call me just a light-skinned black person. I mean, it is what it is. How are you currently treated in your community? Currently, like a black woman. They they don't see any difference. And the only time that they really see a difference is, is when I say something about my dad or we go camping or we go fishing or we go riding horses. And they be like, what? You do what? I'm like, yeah, you know, camping. Didn't you go camping? They was like, no. <laughs> so, you know, like that. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Wow. <clears throat> so, hate. It seems like, you know what I'm saying, that I really didn't hear anything about hate per se. So basically, you you basically got through this life, got through this way of yourself being a, a biracial um, makeup. It hasn't really had an impact of hate. You haven't felt like hurt well, based on this. Is that what you're saying? I have, well, I, I'm going to put it like this. Nobody really knew how to handle me as who I am. I'll give you a perfect example. My aunt on my mother's side, my mom's sister, she came up to me when I first came back from Idaho living with my dad. She said, 
how do you love your white family? And I was like, what you mean how I love my white family? I love my white family just like how you love your black family, you know? But then, you know, on the white side of that, you know, I remember I was seven years old and I was going to school and this older white boy, he had to be at least three or four years older than me, he walked past me and he spit on me. And I couldn't understand why he spit on me for the life of me. And I went home crying, told my daddy. My daddy was like, oh, it's because you're different, Anasha. And I'm like, well, what do you mean different? So I never, I couldn't understand it until I got to high school and I finally saw how different people made me be, not the difference that, you know, I was unique because I was Anasha, not unique because, you know, I was black and white, you know. Well, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice on this subject, what would that advice be? Um, definitely find your own identity um, in the mix. Don't let anybody else define you for who you are. Um, I do have biracial friends who tend to be more, I guess you would say, the white culture. And then I have biracial friends who tend to be on the black culture. And then I have, you know, biracial friends who straddle the fence. Like I do, I straddle the fence. Sometimes I'm a total white girl, sometimes I'm a total black girl. But definitely find something that makes you comfortable. And if somebody's not comfortable with who you are in your whiteness or your blackness or in your identity, shake them off. It's not their life. It's your life. You live it. You love yourself. And that's the only thing you can live for is you. I agree with that. Great advice. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Definitely. Thank you for calling. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Hello, caller. Can you state your name? This is DJ Tripp. DJ Tripp. DJ Tripp for Charleston. How you doing? I'm chilling. How you doing? Hey, just loving life. But actually, maybe I'm hating life since that's today's subject. You'd like to name an incident of hate that you have experienced or are currently experiencing? Yeah, hate, hate. I'm, I'm getting hated from, from so many different angles. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is a perfect topic for me because I kind of live in two worlds or three worlds actually. Seeing though I do gay and lesbian parties and I do teen parties and then I do regular parties. Right. So, in the gay and lesbian world, most, the most recent uh, situation I had is I was out of town. I get a phone call that another female DJ is in the club screaming, fuck me. And I, right. and I curse. Excuse me, you going to bleep that out? <laughs> Just do what you do, baby. We take care of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, another, another female DJ was in the club screaming at me along with a local female artist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as far as the local female artist was concerned, I never even met her in my life. Couldn't identify her in the police lineup. And as far as the female DJ was concerned, like, I was showing love, going to the little events or whatever, you know, reaching out to them. Because I I know it's hard for women in this industry, especially mm-hmm. being right. a gay woman also. But it's like, sometimes I feel like a lot of a lot of women see where I am with this DJ thing, and they kind of expect for me to carry everybody, which right. I, I try to do. I, I fault myself because a lot of times when I do events and if they're in the club, I give everybody a chance in the booth. If people know you, if they don't know you, this might be the first time you ever played outside of your bedroom, but because I know it's hard for women, and we're not going to walk up in, in any local 
Pops and, and any other male DJs just going to call us up there like that. So I feel obligated sometimes to play my part and bring them up there. And with this particular female DJ, I don't know what, where it came from or what it was about, but basically, like, they mad. And I, I can't figure out. Like, I don't know what to do because it's hard work. Like, people think, like, this is some magic wand that I'm waving and people, and I get phone calls or I'm doing parties or I'm in this club and that club. But it's hard work. It, I get a lot of no's before I get a yes. I right. just don't stop. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they get discouraged. And, you know, after a few nightclubs, so not every club in Thompson told me no. But after a few nightclubs tell them no, they, they start reconsidering the thought of maybe wanting to get into the industry. And then, like, from from another perspective, with the straight people, of course, that's a different type of hate because then I got to deal with the whole lesbian thing. And I, especially when I first started DJing, a lot of people would, they were blatantly honest and tell me, you know, I think you're a good DJ, but I just, I don't want you to DJ for me because you're gay and I don't want them dice in the club. Right. And people would be surprised, like, how many people party in spots where they really not welcome. And they spending money, yeah, but but inside, the club owner is not happy to see you there. But I don't right. put them on blast. Maybe I should. But, I mean, hey, that, I, 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 certain things I just throw out. You got to pick and choose your battles, and that's not one I'm willing to fight on a regular basis. So I leave it be. But um, you your, your sexuality is singling you out uh, from being maybe as successful as you could be? Because I, I know of your skills. I have a couple of your mixtapes, and you're definitely a good um, DJ. Do you think that you're being singled out because of your sexuality, because you wear and you wear pride, pride? Definitely, I, and and because like like I'm gay for real. I'm not I'm not industry gay. I'm not Nicki Minaj. I I like girls that dance with girls gay. It's not cute. It's not pretty. Like I'm not dressing up and and pretending to be a Barbie doll type gay. Like this is really and truly how I live my life. So to me, it's secondary when it comes to working. But for other people, it's the first thing they notice. And and for your calling, I mean for your listeners, because I'm butch. That's what y'all would call it. In the, in the lesbian community, we call it a stud. Because I am a stud and I'm coming into my rockerwears and my white tee and I ain't got on heels and my breasts ain't hanging out, all of that plays into, oh, this is not what I was envisioned when I heard you were a lesbian. Right. You know? So it definitely is a hindrance for me as far as crossing over or getting more gigs, and even with radio. I believe 100% that that's why I'm not on radio, <laughs> because of the, the whole gay thing. Mm-hmm. So is it fair to say that gay is the new black? Gay? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. That's a hard question. I mean... Like, I, I think that whatever the hip-hop community, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever they they make seem cool, I guess people gravitate towards that for the time being. But then again, there can always be a backlash. And for people who pretending to be gay because it's hot right now, like, 
I hope they're willing to deal with the repercussions of that when it's not so cool anymore. Right. And, and that's not really who you are. Right. Yeah, I so, understand. Yeah. Well, thank you, DJ Tripp, for sharing your um, experience with hate. And I hope, hopefully, people will start opening their minds and resolve some of the issues around hate. Because you know, when you hate others, sometimes this underlying cause you're really hating yourself, and sometimes maybe right. the people that's pointing the finger with hating have an underlying feeling of maybe they feel they're that way or have experienced something in regards to that way. So, hopefully, these things can be resolved because hating is never never good for anybody. Never, never. Hey, and your listeners can check me out on MySpace, man, if you don't mind me putting that out there. Okay, go ahead and do your plug. MySpace.com, your DJ trip. Y'all check me out. Mm, Facebook? Thank you. All right, thank you. All right. And here's another perspective. Caller, can you give us your perspective in regards to the subject of hate, your experience with it, or anything in connection with it? Well... I actually grew up as a military brat, and not until about 12 years old I realized when I came to Charleston that racism does still exist, that people still did have a problem with others just due to the fact of their skin tone. Um, Like I said, I grew up in the military. It was never even questioned. It was never brought up. Everybody was mixtures. Everybody. It was literally a melange of ethnicities all around you all the time. I first learned the word red as a reference to a skin tone, yellow as reference to a skin tone. Um, And personally, I was met with three aggressive young ladies I've never met before, first day in school, second day in Charleston, who said, quote, unquote, she thinks she cute because she red. I had no idea what this meant. My father is also from Charleston, but he was in the military, left, and we came back. And I had to go home and ask him to clarify. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that, wow, racism really still does exist. So I've honestly spent the, since then, my life explaining to people that it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your sexuality is. It doesn't matter if you have green eyes, blue eyes. It doesn't matter if you have nappy hair, thin hair. You know, it. It's who the person is, right. and it's taken time, but I'm beginning to see in like specific groups that it's becoming a little bit easier, but not all groups, not all sections of society are beginning to accept this new idea or what we think is a new idea, but it really is just common sense to me and common knowledge. Right. So, I have dealt with it, and I am of, (laughs) I'm Dutch, Irish, Welsh, Scottish, Indian, German, and black. And in layman's terms, I'm mulatto. I'm half black and half white. Right. I've always been asked, do you consider yourself black or white? I consider myself neither. I consider myself both. Right. But I consider myself me, first off and foremost. And I really do believe that if people are brought up and people bring their children up to believe that, then racism would pretty much disappear across the board. Well, thank you, Carla, for sharing your perspective. 
And that's no problem. problem. Thank you for listening. All right, caller. You have a perspective on um, how white should prejudice against? Yes. Um, I think that one very interesting prejudice that I think a lot of people probably overlook is interracial dating. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad to me because, you know, we've come so far and we're finally at a place where it's not illegal to interracial date. But I find, um, as a black woman, you know, and um, coming from multi-ethnic backgrounds, that a lot of black men and um, black women as well find it unacceptable for me to be um, dating white men. And I'm not exactly sure you know, what the perspective is on that from all other sides, you know, because I think men of all different ethnicities and, you know, color to me, I'm colorblind, it doesn't matter, you know, but I've been on the street before just walking with the the white man that I was dating and um, kind of been verbally assaulted on the street by um, a couple of black men that were passing with a, why are you with him? You know, that type of thing. And it just, it makes you feel bad for the white guy that right. you're walking with. And it makes you feel bad because it's almost like, well, am I doing something wrong? Am I right. doing something that I need to apologize for? And the answer is no, you know. So. Do you, um, how do you feel, think the, um, the man that she was with, how do you think that he felt? Or did he speak to you about the situation or did he just let it let it dissolve? Did you have any communication in regards to that particular incident? We did. I think that he felt a bit emasculated. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely do. That I tried to kind of comfort him and reassure him about it and, you know, but it's one of those things that I really don't think that he would have said anything himself I think I think I remember saying something to the black men about it like it's none of your business or keep moving but he didn't say anything mm-hmm. he just kept walking you know he walked kind of looking a little bit ashamed that type of thing right. and I know that he wasn't ashamed to be with me he was very proud to be with me but it's almost like he couldn't look the black men in the eye he wasn't going to step to them that type of thing okay yeah Hmm. And how did you feel? I guess it's just one of those things that, you know, makes me feel like who I date is nobody's business, but my business. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of feel like I'm tired of walking around feeling like I have to defend who I want to date to the world, you know, because um, I'm currently not dating anyone now, and, you know, it's just kind of anyone's guess who the next person or the next race is what that person will be who I date. Right. But it almost seems like, you know, oh, I gotta take into consideration you know, what people's thoughts are, but it's like, you know, who cares? We're all just humans. That's right. So, you know, I hope that people will, people's state of mind will evolve Mm -hmm. to a place where they don't have to be concerned about that kind of thing. I hope so too, but I don't foresee any time in the near future. <laughs> well, I really hope that something will happen. Okay. Well, thank you, Carla, for um, 
sharing your perspective on the subject of the color of hate. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And Alice, can you tell me about your experiences with hate? Yes, um, as a person of multi-ethnic background, I feel like a lot of people have a tendency to want to define people based on what they look like. And, you know, a lot of times people kind of judge what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, you know, a lot of people would say, well, what are you? You know, and because I have black and white and some Native American, you know, I don't necessarily look like a lot of people may look. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there is just a lot of, I think, misunderstanding on the part of my peers. And um, I think that it wasn't until I came to college that I, you know, came upon my own sense of acceptance and uh, kind of really kind of went into my own natural look. But um, even at the college, though, there have been people who, you know, I've met resistance just with people who are small-minded and ignorant. You know, I've met with racial slurs and things upon that nature. It's very disconcerting to me that, you know, people are in their own, because that's how they're raised, you know, you want to, you want to meet them with, you know, anger, but you have to realize that that's just kind of what they were brought up with too, so. Right. Well, it seems like you got to a level within yourself, I don't know how old you are, in which that you've accepted that I'm not, you're not going to be judged by anyone's other's interpretation of yours. But you accepted that their ignorance is theirs and that they need to own it on their own. And you're not going to accept it as your own reality. Right. Um, I'm 21. And um, even in my short years, I feel like I've come to a place of peace. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, it's just, I feel like earlier on, you know, I'm talking elementary, middle school. I spent a lot of time worrying, you know, a lot of anxiety, talking to my mom, talking to my family members about just wanting to fit in and wanting people to, you know, like me for me, but also just almost wanting to blend in. But now I think it's wonderful to be able to, you know, to stand out, to be your own person and to be unique. And I think that there's something unique about everyone. And, you know, if everyone can take that away and just kind of live with that message, I think the world would be a lot, a lot healthier, a lot better. Happier planet. Right. Right. I agree. Is there one incident of hate that stands out in your mind? Uh, yes. They, uh, I was at a party one night, and this one particular guy had had too much to drink, and he was spouting off insults to his girlfriend, and it was just a dangerous situation for everybody involved. And mm-hmm. so, some friends and I, in order to remove her from that, that situation, um, you know, we were trying to get the car, get her out of there, get her to go. And my friend and I, she's um, mixed Hispanic and Arabic ethnicity. We were the only two minorities at this party. And so he just starts spouting off at the mouth, calling me the N-word. And, um, you know, I think there might have been someone who was Jewish there, starts talking about the Holocaust in a very hateful manner. Just, just hateful things, you know. Some of the things I've never, just never even heard of. Right. So, um, you know, but even after that incident, I just couldn't 
let that become a part of my psyche. And right. so I've seen this individual a few times before, and it started to eat at me a little bit, but I had to let it go. And, and since then, we've actually had a conversation about it. I ran into him at the grocery store and stood mm-hmm. behind him and made him a little bit uncomfortable. And he turned around and he didn't say anything. And finally I said, it wouldn't be so bad if you had just apologized. Right. And so um, we were able to come to a place of healing because of that, because I could tell that he was so ashamed of that night because he'd had too much to drink. Right. And not to say that he doesn't still feel that way, you know, but at least he apologized and at least he was made to feel that shame. Right. You know. So I feel like I don't have to feel bad about it. You know, I'm at a place of peace and that's all that matters to me. Well, thank you for sharing your perspective of hate today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. and water, um, I'd have to say it really depends on the situation um, that they're involved in. We all want to think that family should be closer and, and um, have your back more than friends or so-called friends, but it doesn't always work out like that. You might have some family members that's kind of like a snake in the grass with a hidden agenda, trying to wait for that one opportunity so they can slide on it and sabotage your situation and then you might have a friend on the other hand who's been a friend for a couple years or whatever who may hold you down more than your family member would. So I guess it really depends on the situation. Personally and fortunately, I have never, I have yet, let's just say that, to come in contact with anybody who is trying to sabotage me or do anything to damage me or anything like that. And hopefully, well, that I know of. And hopefully I won't have to come into anything like that. I would hope my blood, though, is thicker than water. Hi. I wanted to give my perspective on whether I think blood is thicker than water. I think in some cases, yes. As far as my immediate family goes, the bond between us is extremely strong, and there's nothing you could pretty much do to break it. Like my sister, I love her to death. She's my B-I-T-C-H, but nobody else's. The blood's real thick there. If you call the one, I'm going to have an issue, but I can call the one all day. Now I've got other family members, cousins, first cousins in all honesty, aunts, uncles, that I do not speak to. We don't have that type of relationship, so we're pretty much strangers. So in that case, blood's not so thick there. So, that's my view. Uh, Is blood thicker than water is a really, really old phrase and question that a lot of people, um, I believe, back in the day, think different than than we do now. Um, I believe previously 
it used to be hammered that blood was thicker than water. You know, your family comes first, then your friends. Nowadays, I think it's a little different. I believe that blood is not thicker than water. Um, when you think of it and look back over your life, who do you spend most of your time with? Do you spend most of your quality time and your best times with your family, or do you spend that with your friends? I think if you do a poll and you look at that, you're walking through the mall or you're going to the fair or you're going to the park, you see people with their friends because that's who they're most comfortable with. That's who accepts them for who they are and, and they have the more likeness with them. So I have a friend now and I'm closer to her than I am my own sister. I spend more time with her, not saying I love her more than I love my sister, but I would do anything for her just as well as I would do for my sister. I wouldn't put one above the other. So is blood thicker than water? I don't think so. Is blood thicker than water? Mm, in my opinion, I think that uh, blood is the first one to do you wrong and do you in. I think because blood knows you, that they use your um, your weaknesses against you. I think when people meet other people that they're not related, I think that um, they 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 get a, a stronger bond between the two of them through past experiences or things that they go through common in common in life. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they're more generally there for each other to help one another out without looking for something in return. Usually family. Anytime you would need something for family, um, basically they're just looking, you know, out for themselves or they're looking to, to get something back off of you from it. I think people have to be very cautious. I think a lot of people are, are more cautious dealing with their own family than they would a stranger in the street. So is blood thicker than water? I don't think so. I think it's overrated. No, I don't I don't um necessarily agree with the saying that blood is thicker than water. I think a lot of times that we put more uh, trust or belief into families than they actually do because um, sometimes friends are even complete strangers to be there before be there for you before your family would. So I don't um, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that blood is thicker than water. I think that what's important is that when when you need people and they're there, regardless of their relationship to you, if you can count on them, then that's who that's who I'm rocking with. feel that blood is thicker than water. Why? Because you have more 
people that you're related to ready to, to backstab you versus a bond that you create with a friendship. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of your family members think you owe them something. Like, you can work hard to get somewhere in life. And they, and they don't help you get to that point. But they're ready to reap the benefits from it. I mean, what's, what's up with that? But then you can go out and build these bonds, these friendships with these people that you call your family, your sis, your brother. That's, those are strong words, you know. The people who ride or die for you have your back from, from, from day one. You know, they be there for you when your own blood isn't there for you. So no, I don't feel like blood is, blood is sticking in water. You know, that that's a that's a contradiction in, in almost every every sense because you if, if that's the case, how come people will go and talk shit about their own cousin, their own sister, brother, mother, father to, to their friends? Blood was so much sticking in water. Why are you talking shit about your own family to your friends? And people do that all the time, you know? But you but you be quick to, to take out for for a friend or something. So, no, I, I don't feel that at all. I, I don't feel that at all. You know, I, I, I'm very strong and adamant about family because I love family, you know, and I, I appreciate that. Family is everything to me, you know. So when I call somebody my friend, you know, since a bruh, I'm looking at them as family because that's very strong, you know. But at the same time, I have a few, you know, people in my life that's not blood related that I will go to first or I'll have the back to support first before I would probably a few of my family members just because I know their intentions are, are well and they're not trying to backstab. Backstabbing that word backstabbing is, 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 not, is an unracist word you know it, it has it, it has no remorse when it comes to if your family or not you know what I'm saying so it's like it, 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 it plays on both sides that we're backstabbing. You know, it don't. It, it, it's not. It's an unracist word to me. You know, anybody can backstab you, and yes, your blood can backstab you. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's my perspective. Uh, is blood thicker than water? And no, I do not feel like it. You know what I'm saying? You can you, you drown you can drown in your blood. Before you drown in water, and, and the metaphor of that is is your your blood will, will, will take you out quicker than, than the water would. You know what I'm saying? And this this your girl appetite, and that's what I got to say. DJ appetite. Joanne and Charleston, and I just want to comment on the relationship aspect of uh, once you're in a relationship, how you can just kind of cut yourself off from family, and that blood thicker than water thing doesn't necessarily um, hold true at that particular time, because I've had friends who've gotten all involved with a man, and suddenly that man was mama, daddy, sister, brother, he was everything, including coming before the children, and I'm here to tell you that's far from right, but I've seen it happen over and over again. You just, you know, people say they're in love, and I just say they're in stupid. 
but they do get all involved with the other with the man or the woman and everybody else takes a back and back seat to it and as long as that relationship is good then they're thinking everything is good but when that relationship goes belly up then you know your only recourse is to return back to family because you know you get to choose your friends but your family you're stuck with good bad or otherwise so it's good to have family in that respect and as for you know like with myself um i come from a very large family and we're very close family but uh, we're kind of i guess like in the old days our family pretty much stays in one area i'm in charleston but i have a brother that lives in seattle but everybody else is in my hometown so like, that's kind of, you know, it's nice for me when I go home, I can see everybody. So one trip and I see everybody except for the one, you know, one brother. But we stay in contact with each other. We're still real close. So in that case, yeah, flood definitely bigger than water. Because I have friends out there that I keep in touch with and time has gone by and I haven't. But um, rarely is there a week that go by that I'm talking with one of my sisters or something. So we're still real close like that. And... um when I heard the topic, I was just thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, sometimes there are some things that separate. Even though your blood, it still can separate you. Um, if you have a family member that's on drugs or uh, alcohol real bad, you know, when you have get-togethers, you kind of leave that person out. It's not that you really want to exclude them, but they just turn a party completely out. I mean, one drink too many and all of a sudden a real good, you know, get-together has turned into an altercation of some kind. So, yeah, I could see where that's not an instance of blood being thicker than water because you'd rather have peace. And a lot of times you can't have peace with certain members of your family. And that's really kind of sad, but I found that to be true as well. It's not that you don't love them, but um, you just choose peace in a, in a pleasant environment over being confrontational with some members of your family. But um, I'm so glad you have this show and you brought this topic up. and. I can't wait to hear what some of the other people have to say on these things. So thank you for listening. Yes, I think that blood is thicker than water. Also need to know that you need the two to survive. Sometimes blood will choke you up when water quenches your thirst. The river runs truly deep, but blood is sometimes clot if you don't watch the thickness. You still don't want to see the blood turn cold if you can keep it warm, though. Keep your head up, Lady Mafia, baby. on this whole blood thicken in water of course blood is thicken in water um i know i got since i move up here like for an example i have friends in, in south carolina you know and i move away and i'm a grinding artist struggling artist and no one None of them really reached out to me, you know, up here. I know we're far away, but I always was the one, and still is the one, that, that you know, call them and, you know what I'm saying, try to make time for them or whatever, but, you know, there's nothing really happening. 
So it's like, and I'm like I said, I'm down here struggling. Not struggling, but you know what I'm saying? Trying to make my way in this music scene. And all I got to call on is my family to help me out, like if I need something. You know what I'm saying? Even my so-called friends who 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 there, so-called, they they wouldn't even, you know what I'm saying, reach out. So I would choose um, my family over friends any day because they're the ones who who look out for me. And and when I make it, they're the ones who I'm gonna look out for. Like a lot of my friends probably think I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying, bring them on if I make it. But I'm I'm really not. I only look out for the ones who look out for me. So. Um, Blood is thick in water. So that's my perspective on it. This policy is valid from January 4th, 2019. This podcast is a personal podcast written and edited by F. Christopher Blue and his conglomerates at morethantherapy.org. For questions about this podcast, please contact staff at morethantherapy.org. The podcast accepts form of cash advertising, sponsorship, paid insertions, or other forms of compensation. The compensation received may influence the advertising content topics or posts made in this podcast. That content, advertising space, or posts may not always be identified as paid or sponsored content. The owners of this podcast is compensated to provide opinion on products, services, websites, and various other topics. Even though the owners of this podcast receives compensation for our posts or advertisements, we always give our honest opinions, findings, beliefs, or experiences on those topics or products. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are purely the podcast's own. Any product claim, statistic quote, or other representation about a product or service should be verified with the manufacturer, provider, or party in question. This podcast does not contain any content which might present a conflict of interest.